Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Like I'm getting the chills now because it was just like a huge uh, realization that I had and immediately I just changed the script. He discovered that the more you relax into your heart, and feel these elevated emotions, it's exactly like a panic attack. Only it's a love attack. Your body, your brain is gonna react differently when you are putting toxins in. The more toxins you put in, the harder it's gonna be. In 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had a double mastectomy then. And that was the only Thing I did. I, I did surgery and then I didn't do anything. Um, I kind of left it in the past and figured that if I ate well, I wouldn't have this cancer come back. <laughs> and five years went by and on accident, I found a recurrence. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I didn't have, actually, I felt stronger than I ever had been. And I had an x-ray on my hips, which revealed that my hips were fine. I had some questions about yoga, but they also x-rayed my lungs and they found over a hundred tumors in my lungs. Yeah. (laughs) So you didn't have any breathing issues, nothing, no cough, no, nothing. I've never actually had any side effects from or symptoms from those tumors. And So lo and behold, I started this journey immediately um, on treatment. And about three months in, I asked my doctor for a brain MRI because I just had this feeling like I just need a check. And he said, this cancer rarely goes to the brain. You really don't have to do this test, um, but I'll order it if you want it. And lo and behold, there was a few tumors found on that MRI. And when I went to the brain oncologist, it turns out there were several. So my first uh, radiation treatment for brain tumors was December, 2019. And 
there was about 25 at that point. And then there was 50 three months later. And 50 brain tumors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And granted, they're small, but they're everywhere. They're like all through the brain. And so I I had been to Dr. Joe's first week, my first week-long intensive, right before I got the 50 brain tumor. Uh, those were found. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the radiation because I have so much work to do on myself that if I don't do this, these things are going to get out of control. They already were out of control. You're like, I need some, I need to buy some time while I'm doing the work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I did the treatment and every two or three months I get my brain tested and every two or three months there's been more tumors and a lot of progression in my body as well. So it moved to the bones. It's all through my spine, pelvis, liver, thyroid. And I just, after Dr. Joe's first intensive, I just thought I'm going to beat this. And I knew it from the beginning, but I was really stuck in that victim mentality where I just felt bad for myself. And this is unfair. And going to his workshop made me realize like, okay, nobody else is a victim that's getting on that stage. They're, they're all like confident, surrendered into their life. And so I'm going to just walk this path and really believe that even if I get really bad news, it's all part of the healing process. So I continued to have brain tumors discovered and radiated for the next uh, couple of years. And this past December, so two years after they were originally found, um, by this time I'd had over 150 brain tumors radiated from my head and hence all the new curly hair (laughs) and and they found more and the the finding was that there were several new tumors and my doctor had already scheduled the treatments like we've been through this a million times so he already had me scheduled and I said what do you think about me just going to on my Maui vacation for Christmas I'll be gone for you know, from now till about a month, um, can we do the treatment after? Because I really don't want to be tired and not able to be with family. And he's, he was awesome. He's like, sure, that sounds great. So I went to Maui and I decided to really double down on the meditations and had incredible healing throughout my body on that trip. Um, I'd had a really hard time even getting out of bed and walking the six months prior to that trip. And I was feeling like, wow, this is how people die from cancer. They get sedentary and then it just takes over the body. And so while on Maui, I started walking the beach and then I started running on the beach. And I it, this was just unheard of for me because the cancer has had gone into my hip joints. And when I got back from Maui, I had COVID. So I extended my time uh, to about six weeks from when they found the new tumors. And I went in and had another brain MRI and we scheduled the days and I was ready to go. And I was 
fitted for my mask and everything was ready. And the next day I received an email that said, great news. There actually aren't any tumors there anymore. So how many disappeared? He originally said several. They scheduled me for three days of treatment, which is anywhere from 20 to 40 tumors because they take about five to 10 minutes to treat each of them. So they, they split it up and they were not there. And he had done the original scan. He had done a detailed, um, you know, mapping and, and put it over my previous scan and said, Oh yeah, there's definitely new things here. And when I came back, they were gone. I've heard Maui has really healing energy too, which is interesting. Um, So question, because, you know, sometimes this work can be misinterpreted where it's like, oh, you go to the event and you're going to be healed or you start meditating, you're going to be healed. You obviously were doing the work and getting worse. So what do you think was happening and, and, and why do you think you were getting worse, even though you were doing all of this work? Well, Dr. Joe says something exactly to this point. He says, sometimes these things have to get worse before they get better. And that happens with energy and also with different types of treatment kind of works in the same way. Like the, the tumors are aggressive and you can imagine their like personality is that they want to stick around. So I just, heard that on stage. I heard him say that one time and it really sank in like, okay. So that like helped me through those really hard times where getting those scans were, okay, now it's in your liver and now it's in your thyroid. And I just, it took me two years really to get to the point where now I just say, whatever. But like, I don't, I don't even pay attention to the scans because I believe so strongly in my healing. And along with this uh, brain experience that I had, I also had a PET scan uh, shortly after that showed almost 50% decrease in the metastatic or the metabolic intake into the tumors. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, I know that Dr. Joe's work has helped heal my mind and my perception of myself and the world and reality. And my body just needs to catch up. Like the, the cancer is it's in the bones. It's in the deepest part of the body. So of course it's going to take a little bit more time to heal. And when you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but 
It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Waze new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Waze seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. That first intensive, I was definitely like, I'm going to get a healing here mm-hmm. and I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go and I'm going to get my brain scanned and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, everything's gone. Well, the opposite happened, right? Because I was like really trying so hard, like, okay, maybe this meditation will get the healing. That's how and- I feel. I'm like, <laughs> I know the next one, it's going to be yeah. gone. <laughs> I'm going to feel it. They're all going to like make some feeling in my head and And actually, when I got that first 50 diagnosis, I, um, I threw myself on the bed and I didn't get out of bed for seven days. Like I just was in a totally different place in my mindset then. And now, I mean, I haven't gotten any bad news for a while. So, but when I did, it was like, okay, we'll just keep going. We've done this before and we know we're going to heal. So you knew you were in progress. Yeah. But you also said something to me about you had so many things you needed to change. So you knew that you couldn't be healed until you changed those things. Tell me about that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, my first intensive with Dr. Joe, he said something like you need to, uh, some of you will find that you're going to break social contracts with certain people in your life. And I sat in the audience and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to break up with my my boyfriend of, of many, many years, like, how am I going to do this? But I knew that I needed to do that because 
at the time, like cancer is very hard on the person, but it's also hard on caregivers and the emotions and the fear that come with that. And he was very scared and I, I needed to be in a a position where I was just like taking care of myself and, and not putting energy towards someone who was scared about me dying. Yeah. Cause you don't have energy to be worried about him worrying about you. Right. (laughs) Right. And so that was like the biggest thing. And that took me about seven months to come to that final decision. And we just to finish out that story, (laughs) we took a year and a half apart, completely separate. And we have come back together in Maui on that healing trip. And um, he has been to Dr. Joe's workshops as well in that one year and a half and completely taken on the work and changed his mindset. And now he's, he's my biggest cheerleader. Like he believes in my healing maybe more than I do. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that was, that was one, one thing I needed to change. And also just like ancestral stuff that has been passed down to me, like being in a space of worry all the time and creating events that aren't happening, you know, in my mind, like if you have cancer and you're create, you're just like envisioning your death, then that's where you're going to end up going. So I had to really rein that in. And I think the final piece to that came in January. Like the last thing I needed to change was my um, attitude towards myself. And there was one doctor that I work with now who said, what are you missing? Like, you're doing all this work. Like you're doing Dr. Joe, you're eating properly. You're taking all the supplements and doing all the injections. And what are you missing? And I went home that night and I looked in the mirror and I said, how can a body heal if I have never liked my body? If I've always had this... Just got chills. Yeah, a judgment. <laughs> and I've like, and I realized, like, oh my gosh, I look in every mirror, in every window, and I judge myself all day. <laughs> and I, it was like this huge, like, I'm getting the chills now because it was just like a huge uh, realization that I had. And immediately I just changed the script. And every time I would catch the mirror, I'd be like, I love you. You're so beautiful. And you're doing such a good job. And you're so strong. And now I don't I don't look in the windows anymore. And that was in January. And that was like the final, okay, the old me is in the past. And that's where the cancer lives. And the new me is here in the present. And there's no space for that. Wow. Queen, what are your thoughts? <laughs> it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. I have had um, these gnarly stomach issues for a long, long time. And honestly, a couple weeks ago, I was like, listen here, kid, you have been hating yourself forever. <laughs> I know. Forever. I told you. Tell you, you love forever. it. Forever. Yeah. I've been hating myself forever. I mean, I was, whether it was like, eating disorder, starving it, like, like whatever this whole journey. So I feel that very intensely. And I think that like, 
it's a common theme for everyone is that we don't like ourselves or especially women. We're so hard. Oh, our body needs to look this way and look this way. And it's just like, it just manifests in all this icky stuff. How is it going to heal? Like you said, if we are just nasty to it. So yeah, yeah, I feel that. And imagine, you know, just surrendering all of that because it's hurting you. Not because you're never going to look like that person. It's just hurting you. It's hurting you. That's it. Uh Just let it go because it's hurting you and you are contributing to it. Yeah. Wow. Um, What did you do in terms of like the, like the physical work, like with Dr. Joe that um, I know everyone always wants to know what meditations. And in fact, we helped each other when we had our call. I said, you know, I'm doing the pineal gland meditation at night and I definitely feel amazing. But when I'm doing the the energy center work, I'm not feeling anything and and I want to feel stuff. And she suggested the the blessing of the energy center is number eight that is available and how she was doing it and having great results. So I did it that day and everything was on fire. Like I felt all of them, like it was like, like V8 engines on all of them. And I was like, whoa. So um, yeah, you guys have to explain all of this because I'm like, huh? Yeah, there are different meditations (laughs) you can buy online. Okay. And you're working with like some people call it chakras. We're Uh, talking about energy centers and you're, you're focusing on them and getting mm. them to harmonize and work with each other. But that one, like uh, that was mind blowing because I was like, oh, okay, I I can get there. I got it. So cool. Um, So share with us what your, what your things have been. What have you liked? What have you, what kind of process are you doing? How much of it are you doing? As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. Kelsey is so great at making sure she responds to all of you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as 10 dollars a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you. 
Yeah, I'm doing meditations every day, the longer, longer variations. I feel like he has some shorter ones and then some longer ones, depending on how much you've studied with him. And I definitely hit a longer one 99% of the days in the last two and a half years. Um, I've definitely missed a few days here and there. And I think that's something to say out loud because, you know, it's, I don't want to sit here and be like, well, I meditate every day. Yeah. Most days, 99% of the time I do. Did you feel off when you didn't? Yeah, totally. And I, I I like felt all the voices coming back in my, like the old pattern. And I'm like, okay, I need to sit and harness my body back into this present moment. Yeah. Anytime I Um, don't want to do the pineal gland, I I negotiate with myself sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, no, but I'm just too tired. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. No, you won't. Get up, bitch, and do it. You're going to feel better. (laughs) And I do. I feel better. And if I don't, because I tested it, it's just not okay. So go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) No, you know, and when, when you have those conversations, I feel like I have them too. And when I choose like to put it off and I let all this other stuff that doesn't need to be done right then in my life and it creates more stress. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And I've recently started doing multiple meditations per day. So that has been like every person who's told their story up on stage about healing from stage four cancer is saying the same thing. I went all in mm-hmm. with the meditations. Me too. And I meditated in the morning and in the afternoon and sometimes three times a day. And I'm getting the chills right now because Eddie and I, my partner, we had just a sit down after we were just in Denver with Dr. Joe at the fall advanced follow-up and said, we need to go, we need to go stronger. We need to go more. We need to be in this energy more. And so we started doing evening meditations and the most healing meditation that I just started doing this week, um, as far as like, feeling love and feeling loved is the higher love meditation that I started doing with Eddie. It's a partner, um, committed partnership meditation. So that on top of, you know, my solo long going into the void and creating my future life experiences, that love, higher love is really, really special. And we both are feeling that right now. Wow. It's yeah. so cool. So when do you have another appointment to see? Cause you're like 50% better. You said, right. Mm-hmm. When is your next appointment? In a week. Oh my God. So in a week, you're going to, you're going to get results. I'm going to send amazing, good energy. Um, you are my new four minute mile, because if you could get rid of that many brain tumors, I know I can get rid of one. Um, and, and I'm so grateful for you sharing your story because when I heard it, you know, with brain tumors, there's nothing they can do other than chemo and radiation. And I've never believed in radiation for me. It scared me because I had my mom do radiation. I'm so grateful that you have been able to do it and didn't have any side effects. What was the radiation that you got called? 
Cyber knife and gamma knife. Got it. I have heard really good things about gamma. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where where did you get that done? In South San Francisco. At what hospital? Um, at I'm a Kaiser member, so it's actually really beautiful to be able to have that. Um, and I hold the record for number of brain tumors maybe hanging out of somebody's brain. Well, that's what I was going to ask, and I wrote a quick question down here. What did the doctor say about the fact that you had so many going up there? My normal oncologist who deals with my body, uh, he reached out to my brain oncologist and said, or sorry, my brain oncologist reached out to my normal oncologist and said, please, is there anything that you can do to stop these from going into her brain? And he said, no, I, I can't do anything. There's nothing that she's doing that crosses the blood brain barrier. And so they, they, there's no answer. Yeah. It's interesting because my mom for her brain tumor, we did have good success with chemo and they say that it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. I mean, we did a lot of things, um, but she did respond to, to chemo. Um, but yeah, you're holding a record for a reason because I've never heard <clears throat> of so many. I have heard, I had a young patient that I, I met who was getting lots of brain tumors. Like they just kept coming back and they kept reoperating. Um, but I have not heard of that many. Do you feel like there's any kind of emotional component or any reason why you were getting so many? Have you made any connections on that yet? Ooh, that's... That's a good question. I haven't thought about it, but in the moment right away, it's like all the, all the, the changes that I've made, they really all had to do with my mind. <laughs> so um, that would make perfect sense. And I think that like something I want to add is I've advocated for myself with these treatments because the treatment is actually full brain radiation for what I have going on. And I, I honestly didn't do it at first because I wanted to protect my pineal and pituitary gland. (laughs) After I had studied with Dr. Joe, I was like, they can't, (laughs) they can't radiate my glands. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. And so every time there's been more, my doctor just says, I plan to treat this with cyber knife or gamma knife, gamma knife now. Um, but just so you know, whole brain radiation is the standard of care. And I've just said no, because it's so intense. Yeah. And, and he actually, he agrees with me that treating them this way is okay. And it's not offered to a lot of people. So I feel like when you're in the position I'm in, advocating for yourself is like number one, because whole brain radiation, you know, could be recovering for several months and on many different drugs for memory preservation and all sorts of things like that. And cyber knife, it's like, I get a little tired, maybe a little headache the first day, lose my hair wherever they did it. and then move on and continue with life and and continue with this work. Wow. 
what were some of the mind changes you think you had to make? Because I do see that connection. And I know even with what my mom and I had, I know where they come from. And so uh, it is, it's everything that's going on in here. So tell me a little bit about that. I think the biggest change I had to make was not being a worrier anymore. That's been something I see in, you know, my sisters and we talk about it, you know, so um, I have two sisters and that we watched our mom worry, worry about money, worry about being a single mom, worry about her career. And my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was 17. She was 44. She was really young. And she, so that was a big, that was like the first thing that I had to focus on. And then the second thing was to like go to my doctor's appointments because for so long, like I am so scared of this potential future that I literally created from when my mom passed when she was 17. I started telling myself, well, everybody always says you're just like your mom. And so I'm probably going to die of breast cancer. Before you even had it. Yeah. That was from 17 years old to my first diagnosis at 31. And when I was diagnosed, my best friend at the time, she said, you know, this has been your biggest fear. Like she knew, she knew that that had been something that I had always, you know, and I always told the story of my mom dying and I just like lived in that experience. And so I had to really shed that whole thing. And I had a a hypnotic moment with a woman on Maui and she's, she asked me like what the message I was getting at that time was. And I got this moment that just said, like, just because your mom died of this doesn't mean you have to. Like, this is the time to change the story. Mm. So that really helped me shift into a different mindset for sure. And, you know, attending the appointments, like I put it off, she put off her appointments. So when she, she had breast cancer at 37, had surgery, and then didn't go didn't go, didn't go. And then when she went, it was too late. It was everywhere. And she passed away three weeks later after her diagnosis. So I made that mistake in between my surgery. I kind of went hands off. I was like, I'm not living in the cancer world. I'm done. They did surgery. I'm not going back. And I went for too long. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm uh, as Dr. Joe said, we're, our thoughts are powerful. They carry frequencies. I said the same thing. I said, God, I wish you gave me this tumor because I could handle it better. Yeah. I didn't want her to deal with it. Watching her and having to worry about her made it so much harder for me. And so then, boom, guess who got one a couple months later? We're very powerful manifestors, the good and the bad. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but I do think that these happened for reasons because we are evolving and growing and shifting and changing. And the the next thing for you was also loving yourself, right? So don't you love the world you're living in now way more than the world you lived in before you were diagnosed? 
Oh my gosh, I'm so much happier. <laughs> Isn't that bananas? Like Evie, the same thing. We we it's the best worst thing ever, but you know, you can evolve past all of it and it's the, it can be there for you, not to you, for you to change and 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 get better. So, wow. Yeah. I'm so grateful and it's like Dr. Joe says, you know, if our thoughts can make us sick, wouldn't it be the same that our thoughts can make us well? And wow, like I really hang on to those words because I know that like, I don't blame myself for getting cancer, but I know that I contributed to this disease, having a home in my body and I'm kicking it out. (laughs) It's it's done. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's like, as you do the work on yourself, you are kicking all of that because it's attached to that. Yeah. Oh my God. Dr. Joe, you talked about relaxing the heart and you said you have a way to do it. How do we do it? It's not something that you, you don't know how to do. It's just something that we want to make a skill for you. And, and so when people, first thing they have to do is they have to overcome their survival states. They have to over, overcome their programs. They've got to be willing to sit with themselves long enough to wonder what's on the other side of, I can't, or it's too hard, or I want to give up, or this sucks. What's on the other side of those thoughts? Those are just program thoughts. What's on the other side of this emotion called guilt or this emotion called frustration? What's on the other side of it, right? So you get people to a certain point, you give them uh, a little bit of help, but the key then is, we've done, we've done studies on this. If you close your eyes and you place your attention on your heart, it turns out where you place your attention is where you place your energy, right? So if you can put your attention on your heart and not your cell phone, and you can keep it on your heart and, and feel it and experience it and pay attention to it. By paying attention to your heart, you're actually giving it your energy. Now, your heart tends to feel different emotions uh, than other parts of your body. And what emotions it loves to feel is love, compassion, care, kindness, gratitude, inspiration, freedom. These are elevated emotions. So if you could put your attention on your heart, we see from the technology that we built in time, and not a very long amount of time, just a few minutes, you'll start to see this very low frequency of the heart start going up, which means the, the, the energy that's indigenous to the heart, what the heart uses only, you're actually feeding it. It's it energy. Right? So if you could do that then, and then you can slow your breathing down. When you slow your breathing down, you slow your brain waves down. We've measured that thousands of times. So instead of the short breath, or the, instead of this kind of shallow breath, you only work on taking long, slow breaths through your heart. Inhale with the intention of relaxing, hold it with the intention of relaxing while you hold it. Exhale with the intention of relaxing, blow all the air out, hold it for a few seconds, you're not gonna die. Relax again, inhale again. And just do a series of three or four or five or six of these, depending on working with your body so that it starts to feel safe again. That's what it is. You slow your brain waves down, you slow your breathing down, you slow your breathing down, you convert from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic, and that's what we see. Then all of a sudden we see the person's parasympathetic nervous system go up and the sympathetic goes down. What does that mean? They're moving out of stress. Okay, the body's moving into that state of growth and repair. Now put your attention on your heart. Now do something really cool. Amplify. That's the amplifier. That's the creative center. So what do you want to feel? Like what emotion do you want to feel when a future experience happens? Whatever that is. 
Feel the gratitude, feel the joy, feel the freedom, and breathe and feel, and feel and breathe, and keep relaxing into your heart, keeping your attention nowhere else out of the millions of things you can put your attention on. That's your target. And you work with your body, and you breathe, and you feel, and as you start relaxing into your heart, you keep working on relaxing into your heart, and you feel it, you feel that emotion, there'll come a moment where that energy will naturally start moving up to the brain, and when that happens, the survival centers shut down. Brain moves into alpha. You see more in pictures and images. You could take a, it's like a, taking a sheet of paper, uh, a sheet on a, on, a, on a bed, and going like this. The heart sends this propagating wave right into the brain. Just follows, boom, right after the stroke volume, and it's telling the brain to be creative, to dream, to be you know to be unlimited. Uh, so the more you do that, here's the key. The more you do it, the more it becomes a skill. Now, when a person has a panic attack, right, what they do is they mismanage their attention. They, they picture the worst scenario that could possibly take place, and then they say, no, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? So they're making it actually 10 times worse because if you prepare for the worst, there's always better chances of survival. The problem is they're combining that image in their mind, and they're actually living the experience emotionally. And so they're taking that thought and that feeling, that image and that emotion, that stimulus and response, and they're conditioning the body subconsciously to become the mind of fear. After a certain point when the body's that out of balance, it will have a panic attack. Try as you may to control it with your conscious mind. You can't. You programmed it subconsciously, and then it gets worse because after that one, you can't anticipate when the next one's going to happen. So you start mm -hmm. getting ready for the next one, and that's what exactly starts the cycle. Okay, so what we discovered that the more you relax into your heart and feel these elevated emotions, it's exactly like a panic attack, only it's a love attack. So we're looking at people's hearts for 24 hours. We see them sustain this beautiful coherence, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes. They get good at it. They can do it now. They know that they know they can do it. It feels really good. But then all of a sudden, they're wearing the heart rate monitor and they're not doing a meditation. And their heart is in coherence for an entire hour and they're unpacking their suitcase and they're getting ready for bed. And this spontaneous feeling of love, just the body starts wanting to feel that because it's been conditioned to feel that no different than be con being conditioned to fear. So it, it, we have to practice sustaining it. That's the key, right? So if you can sustain it more and more and practice with your heart, it'll get better. It'll get deeper. It'll get richer, it'll get more profound. It'll, it'll keep changing as you keep doing it. And, and uh, for me, it, it, it's still changing. It, it still changes for me. So simple technique, rest your attention, and then after you rest your attention in there, slow your breathing down, bring up an elevated emotion, feel it within you, tune in, radiate it, you know, um, uh, shine, I don't know, whatever it is that it is for you to glow in your heart there. And, um, and then we see this parasympathetic nervous system drop down, and here comes the sympathetic nervous system coming up, and now the person's relaxed in their heart. And they're moving into this gamma brainwave pattern. All of a sudden, waves start building on waves. They're standing waves. And all of a sudden, right up to the brain, and the person is out of the program. They're conscious now. They're relaxed in the present moment and awake in the brain. That sympathetic arousal is awakening the brain, creating that wonderful feeling of wakefulness, of bliss, of ecstasy, of uh, 
uh, a joy for existence, a gratitude, like I love being alive. And when that occurs, pro-social networks in the brain switch on, and instead of being protective and separate and survival, those pro-social networks cause us to want to connect and connect and commune and, and form tribes and form communities and take care of one another and support each other and love one another and heal one another and shine for one another and, and inform one another and honor one another and respect one another. That's what happens when, when this, when this center kind of opens up and it's a different consciousness. It's an emergent, it's an emergent consciousness. So we tend to be more present and appreciative when we're truly in this state. And that's why wow. it's mind, body, and soul healing. All of this work is healing everything. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you know, if you want to just touch on the soul for a second, I do think that, you know, the soul's really interested in adventure. It really wants new experiences, right? And it can't go on to the next experience if it's stuck in an emotion from the past. It can't go. It can't go because it, that emotion's keeping the person anchored to the memories and the stories that go along with it. I would never tell a person to relive their past. I would always tell them to just overcome the emotion because the memory without the emotional charge is wisdom, and that's what the soul wants. Like, I'm done with that. I'm done. I got the wisdom from it. I got, I got all of eternity. I got a long time to figure this out, so I'm, I might as well create an, the next experience. So I think they all heal kind of simultaneously, you know, one, one with the next. Yeah, I think one of the big things that happened for me too at the event was, and I didn't realize that you, like I said, you see so many of the things that you need to fix or you need more of. And I was like, oh, I started feeling my heart. And and I realized I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't loving my brain. I wasn't loving my body. And so now I have like that whole practice every day where I tell myself that I love myself. I tell myself what I'm proud of or what I've done that was good and what I'm working on and um, and I tell my brain that I love it and my body that I love it. So let your heart love your brain. Just like, it's, it's basically when the heart and the brain are coherent, there's a love affair Yeah. between the heart and the brain. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things. It really is a love affair. The heart, well, I'm telling you, it just loves the brain. It's yeah. an amazing thing. And love and gratitude will, will heal too. And it's like the hippie stuff was kind of real. It's like it really is about love yeah. and having compassion for people where they're at because they haven't gotten to that next level yet. They haven't gotten a tool yet that they need, whatever it is. Um, so I think that that was another thing that I learned. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about the things that I learned. I want to know one last thing. What is your vision from here? Yeah, well... Um, Where gosh, does this go? Where do you go? Gosh, um, there's so many... Um, wonderful things that are happening right now just with our research. You know, I was on the phone with one of the top researchers in our in our um, scientific team and uh, just every day, the data that we're discovering is so important for people to know. I want to give people um, my greatest understanding of the truth and numerous opportunities to experience it. I I want to free their minds and open their hearts with a simple formula that leads them to a door, right? A door of unlimited possibilities. And I want the door to show people that they are greater than they think, more powerful than they know, more unlimited than, than they could ever dream. And, and I think by providing people the science and taking it to a point where it's understandable and digestible, 
changes a consciousness. It changes a collective consciousness. Uh, and, and the testimonials are so important because those four-minute miles are uh, opportunities for people to, to believe in themselves, again, because someone else is doing it, right? So, so a, an emergent consciousness emergence in biology, you know, those flocks of birds and schools of mm -hmm. fish that are moving and behaving in the same way. There's no leader in that process. It's not a top-down phenomenon. Everybody's leading, right? So the coming of a new consciousness is, it, it can't be done uh, with the same consciousness that's created the problems that we have in the world today, you know? And I think when, no matter what you believe, what, I think one thing that everybody is aware of that something doesn't feel right, you know? So, so providing people with the information, the right information that allows them to believe in themselves and to believe in possibility. The side effect of all of this is some of some really cool things happening in medical schools where they want to investigate what we're doing and bring it into medical schools uh, in operating rooms now uh, mm. with Navy SEALs uh, and, and veterans with trauma. Uh, we are working with um, prisons and, and... That was amazing, actually, a lot of those prisons. stories. Yeah, a lot of some great prisons. And nobody's talking to these people about why they did what they did and what it really means to change, especially the ones that are going to walk out into the same environment, you know. So, so um, and we're working with uh, lots of companies and organizations around the world and teaching them what true change means in the neuroscience of culture and how you how you change a culture, what it takes to change a culture, and what it takes to change individuals. So, uh, and then you know, then there's all kinds of fun things like I'm in, I'm so invested in our youth community right now uh, because they are the seeds of the future and uh, they're going to have to resolve the problems that were given to them from a greater level of consciousness and they have to learn the principles of leadership they have to ingrain that in them and embody it uh, they have to understand their hormones. They have to understand values. They have to understand how to create from the field instead of from matter so they can short the distance between the thought of what they want and the experience of having it without having to work so hard to get it. And so we're investing a lot of uh, my time and energy into, into our youth. And every event that we do, we have over 100 kids under the age of 25 that come, and, and they're very passionate. And I, and I, I take time... Uh, I go and see them uh, after I walk off the uh, stage or at the end of the day and I, t I talk to them and, and I say, listen, I don't care if you go to school or you, 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 you teach yourself, just get really, really, really good at one thing. Just be, just own it. Just know that you know that you're the best at it. You do that, you'll always be valued. So, um, so many crazy things, so many wonderful things are happening um, with, with um, where we're at right now. So I'm pretty excited. I like the idea for, I know you're getting close um, to be able to go to children's hospitals yeah. and do coherence healings. In well, there. we had a woman in the event in uh, San Diego who, uh, who is the, the top administrator for a children's hospital in, in Mexico City. And she had a profound, mm. profound healing, profound healing really? from her disease. And she's ready, you know, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, until I have the data that shows that our community, uh, w w one out of two times, can produce a change that's eight, nine, or ten out of ten in a person's health. When we're 50% and we have all of our 
all the research that we're doing with all the questionnaires and all the epigenetic studies we're doing on the HELES and the heart coherence. You know, we're, we're measuring to see if everybody's in, co in a state of coherence when everybody's in the, you know, in the cage, when they're, when they're healing another person. We're looking at the data. So when our data is all sorted out and we're uh, 50%, um, that's when I'll be very comfortable in, in walking in there and, and changing children's lives, you know, children with cancer and children with tumors and children with all kinds of health conditions. We had we're we're seeing crazy stuff happening with this orphanage that we're working with in Mexico right now with you know kids born with a lot of uh, health conditions and and tremendous reversal in in their in their in their bodies so it's pretty cool thank you because this all started with you believing that you could heal yourself and think of that ripple effect now how massive that one decision to say no I'm going to go do this myself. And to believe in yourself, you've shown so many people that they can have that same belief in themselves and that they can heal themselves. So thank you, because I look forward to calling you after my next MRI. I have very, very vivid visions um, where Dr. Black walks in the room and he has the same stoic face. And I'm like, just tell me, don't beat around the bush, tell me. And then, and then he tells me and he says, you're a remarkable young woman. Cause that's something he would say. And then I start screaming and I roll around the ground like a pig and shit. And I get so excited. And then I, um, I see, I see myself on stage giving my testimony. I have very, very clear visions of how this is all coming together. Um, so I can't wait to give you that call. And I am so grateful like forever grateful. Oh, okay, you. before I cry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think if we could just focus on foundation, I already got a lot of good tips from you on how you built a foundation from less to me. I wouldn't say nothing because again, you had nice, good parents. Um, you had a body that would breathe and stand and walk. Um, but let's talk about building that foundation. And we, we, I think what we put into our bodies too is is something that we should go over as well. Like let's um let's let's talk about that though because I, before we get into the how we deal with the toxic people, I I think again with this discernment the the, the I keep having to look at my notes for this. Sorry for the I love this cultivating discernment. <laughs> I think even with food and chemicals we put in our bodies, yes. I never thought about how much. It affects your moods and emotions. I, I'm at a point now where I know, Rosie, if I go out drinking one night now or do anything to alter my mind, the next day, I'm not the same. I'm short. I'm cranky. I'm tired. No matter what I do in my mind to be aware of that, I just know. Um, and I'm learning that now even about foods that I put into my body and how they're affecting my moods, my swings. So can we talk about that? Because I think that kind of awareness and discernment needs to come in if we're going to kind of build a healthier foundation in which to build upon. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you said it, it is it, your body, your brain is going to react differently when you are putting toxins in the more toxins you put in, the harder it's going to be for you to um, focus and to to feel good in your body. I mean, your body is going to react different on a donut than it is on broccoli. And look, I love donuts. I love Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, I like, donuts. trust me, like I'm all about having a donut <sighs> here and there, but it's, 
it's gonna it's gonna create a you different. You just have reaction. that awareness to know that okay, yes. yeah, look, this well, gonna, but that's the thing, yeah. Kevin. I mean, like, it, it's not about um, what is it? It's not about like keeping things away. Like a lot of the times, people think oh, I have to cut everything out. I'm gonna I'm gonna party this weekend, and then on Monday I'm gonna not have anything. Why does why do we have to go to extremes? And I think that's one hundred percent the reasons why things fail most of the time is because we yeah. go through these extremes. Right. We go from one to the next, and then it doesn't it doesn't work like that. That's why I keep talking about. So we have to be able to discern. I can I can have you know whatever you enjoy a glass of wine, and you know eat really a healthy meal, and then just understand how my body reacts. The problem is that most people don't pay attention to how the things that they're consuming makes them feel. And it's not just the food, right? It's not just the food that we're consuming. It's also the, the people that are yes. around us. They're, they're so, thinking that so we're, we're consuming. We're going to get to the people too. C- can you tell me some of the foods that, um, that kind of will help, you know, that, that, I mean, I know it's probably just basics, but what did you do in your diet? Did you, do you do like 80% good foods and 20% like fun foods? Yeah. So, so when, well, back when I was getting healthy, I just went straight vegetarian for about a year and then I reintroduced meat back into, to my diet. And I'm, I do now I do mostly Mm plant-based, but I still, you know, incorporate meat here and there. Um, but I would say if, if yeah, if you could do at least 70% of your food, greens, fruits, nuts, just things that come from the ground, I think it's, it, it's going to create a different reaction in your body. The less preservatives, the better, the cleaner, the better. Some people don't have access. I mean, I say that back, back in the day, 10 years ago, or even 15 years ago, when I would do these talks we'd have all these food deserts, but now you can find organic produce pretty much anywhere. I mean, my Tori and I went on a really long road trip. We went up to Montana and every place we would stop, we would see organic produce. Um, the less, you know, toxins are in the stuff that you eat, the less toxins your body is going to have to, to uh, digest. So our digestive system, our internal system is, this magical machine that takes takes things in and you have to think about it like the things that you're consuming on an external level the better quality they are the more whole and nutritious they are the easier it is for your body to to digest um yeah i mean we can i mean par- part of what i love about food i mean i love food i'm mexican as well so i love good like mm-hmm. Mexican, I live in LA. And so, you know, like we have some of the best best. Mexican food in LA. To me, anytime we go into the state of taking something out, it always feels like a punishment, right? It always feels like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take out, I'm not going to drink any more wine for a month, or I'm not going to do this. I think giving yourself a break is good. But I think that doing things, if you're the type of person that can, can do things incrementally, then try it. If you're the type of person that needs to be extreme, then try that. But again, going back to the discernment, what is going to, what is going to serve you the most, which method is going to serve you the most. Mm -hmm. And only, you know, that only the people listening to this, only we know that for ourselves. If I say, I'm not going to have any more chocolate for a month, 
I know that's not going to happen because I know there's going to be those moments where I'm really tired and I'm laying in bed and we're watching a show or something and I'm going to want dessert. I, I have to have dessert after like every meal. And so for me, not having that little bit of chocolate is going to, it's going to create a negative reaction. I'm going to get crabby. I'm going to get upset. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to focus on anything because I'm just going to be obsessed. I've, you know, I have, I've had eating disorders the majority of my teens and twenties. So a food food can be a very contentious topic for me. So what I've learned for myself that's worked for me is to have little, little things throughout the day. So I don't feel like I'm, um, yeah, like I'm punishing myself or I'm depriving Mm -hmm. myself of having something that I want. Um, you know, it's like too much of everything is going to be a toxin. It's, it's the difference between medicine and poison is dose. So if we're able to have a little bit of, you know, wine, a little bit of mm-hmm. chocolate, a little bit of something, the minute that we go overboard and it's like five bottles of wine later and a whole, you know, dozen of something, it's it's going to become a, a toxin to you. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that we, uh, unfortunately, we underrate the... Um toxicity involved with all of that and how it does affect us and, uh, and our moods and and everything else. Um, let's now, if it's okay, let's move on to, yeah, the toxic people that are in our lives and how, uh, vastly they affect us. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yes. Actually, I'm curious for both of you guys, but what do you do when that toxic person or those toxic people are Related to you. Oh, well, you're talking to an older person who's been through this. Yeah, Kev's Kev's good at this. Yeah. Um, They have to be distanced. Yeah. And that's it. And you know the same person who told me to stop doing construction because I I was like, it's making me so depressed and make me feel like such a failure that I'm not no longer an Emmy Award winning head writer or whatever I was. And he said, stop doing it. He was the same one when I said, asked that question of him. And he said, you distance yourself. And I said to him, yeah, but, you know, but what, what do you do when it's blood and you're bonded? And again, you know, from strong ethnicities, we're very tribal, yes. Mexican cultures, mm-hmm. Greeks, Jewish, Italians. It's like you're taught that blood yeah. is blood. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this guy, by the way, amazing man, gay man, husband of like 22 years and was, uh, you know, raised by his grandmother who was like a hundred and six or 107 when she died. She was like an older mom who was then an older grandmother. So this guy had wisdom beyond wisdom. And he just said to me, I'll never forget it. I'm like, but what do you do? Because family and it's blood and you're bonded and there's such a deep connection and you just can't ignore that. And he said, Kevin, at the end of the day, he said, sweetie, they're just people you grew up with. Ooh. How's that for a need of the, I was like, what? And you know what though, Rosie and Kelsey? They're just people you grew up with. Now, when you get the amazing mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, oh my God, honor them, be there for them. When I see it, I love it. I get so excited. I have been um, adopted by many families who have that. And I'm the the. You know, like, mm-hmm. so, uh, and I love it. And uh, I 
I joke with my mom. This is my joke with my mother. Very politically incorrect joke, maybe. But I say to my mom, because I have a great relationship with my mother. We talk every day. And um, but I don't really talk to the rest of the family, the cousins, the, you know. And I just say, you know, I go, Mom, think of me as the gay son that the family, like, ostracized and won't talk to anymore. But you and I have a great relationship. I take you shopping. I spoil you. And she, Stop it. That's not funny. And she, as she's laughing. But I, I will say to my mother when the joking ends, I go, Mom, it's just me and you. And what's wrong with that? We're besties. We're close. I'm here. You know I'm on a plane. I'm, I'll be at your doorstep in seven hours. It, you know, if I'm in LA and if I'm, I'm not in LA, I can be there even faster. And she knows that about me. You know, so like we got something good. Let's just, let's just honor that. And the older she's gotten, the more she's like, you know what? You're right. Like, so, but it's really, really hard because all of the things that have been drilled into us. And then I'm a deeply sentimental person. I still like to talk to people from first grade. I am. It's re- and I'm and I'm there. And then I have that other thing, which is again part of my ethnicity is got to be loyal. So yeah. I have people, you know, who've called me down and out, and I'm like, all right, I'm there. And like I hadn't talked to them in 20 years, but I'm like, no, we went through some. We have a trauma bond. We went through this hard neighborhood together. This, uh, mm-hmm. so it's not easy, but I promise, things will get better. And I will say that to my mom. Mom, look at my life the past two decades without these people. And then let's look at my life with them. Okay, with them, bankrupt, living pretty much in a van, borderline homeless if I didn't have a wonderful lady who let me and Maria live in her unfinished basement next to a burner on a twin mattress on the floor. You know, if I didn't have, you know, and and I'm like, that was my life with them. Now let's look at my life now. Do you really think it's a coin? And my mother, thank God, is a very highly educated woman, feminist, very, so thank God she's very progressive. I'm like, mom, do you really think it's a coincidence that I cut all this out and have all these wonderful blessings in life? And she's like, no. And, it, and I said, and you, I know you love me. She's like, of course I love you, Kevin. Okay, then you really want to roll that dice? You really want to roll that dice? Let open Pandora's box, let all that back in, and see me lose everything. But now I'm like in my mid fifties and I got to win it all back. And I go, and I know it's in the back of your head. You know, I would, and I would, but I don't want to win it all back. I don't want to have to go through that again. Yeah. So my advice is, I know it's really hard guys. And there's ways to do it. You know, you don't, it's like the chocolate. Like you said, Rosie, you don't have to cut it out, but you distance. There's ways to do it. You know, I always like, <laughs> when I'm around people in, in New England, I go, just just talk about the Patriots. <laughs> just, just talk about the Patriots. Just, uh, you know what I mean? You just keep, yes. you know, you keep finding those subjects. And I will tell you, you can, the, the problem is with, you're going to have Rosie and Kelsey's going to have, Maria's going to have, I'm going to have. And if you, even, even Tony Robbins is estranged from many of his family members, but, um, it's when you go on the road less traveled. It's really, um, it's hard. You're the weirdo. Yeah. You're the strange one because you, and what you don't, may, you probably realize this, Rosie, but most people don't realize is that you're pushing all of their buttons of insecurity. Yeah. You're making them look at themselves on all things they're doing wrong. So it's much more fun and easy for them to have you 
on the merry-go-round playing the role you were supposed to play, which was the punk in the family, the rebel, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. that's easier for them. And then when they see you learning and growing and, and, you know, and what's sad is if they could shift, be happy and proud of it and, and come on the bandwagon with you, they'd go to the moon too, faster than anybody because they're in the, they're in. But unfortunately, ego gets in the way and they're like, no, 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 you get back on the bar stool next to me or back wherever you, what they wanted to make you comfortable. So it's, you, if, if you can't totally cut it out, you physically distance, you, you find ways to distance less and less. And when you do get together, you, you just keeping it back, you bring it back to the Patriots or whatever, like subject is just kind mm-hmm. of like Teflon ish. Mm-hmm. And at yeah. some point they'll, they'll, they'll know that they, they kind of, it becomes a habit where they know they're not going to be able to get a handle on you. Right Now I will say, unfortunately, many toxic loved ones. And by the way, I'm saying friends from high school, friends from college, I'm saying all of it, not just your, your cousins and your brothers and sisters. But I've, in my experience at some point, they still try to get, uh, they won't stop. They got to keep trying. And it's just distance. And then, um, you know, it's having that inner strength to go, I can make it without them. With you, Rosie, look what you did without them, what you did on your own. And having that confidence like, hey, the, you know, family is who you make it which it is, you know, and, um, I will say to, again, I've said to my mom, like, mom, do you want me to name all my brothers and sisters? And then you want me to then go into my, my cousins? Like, because you know, the list is long. I mean, you know, I've, you Joe Gear is my brother. Like my, you know, like we've known each other for 30 years. I still don't understand this. I had three guys when we were in a bad neighborhood in LA trash our car on the last night we were, I think they found out Maria got her big break at ET and were jealous. So they like trashed our car. And I, I wanted to fist fight the three of them and I didn't because I was trying to change my ways. So I'm like, and I just was so sad and depressed. I'm like, it's just never going to end. And I, even though it's a six hour flight from Boston to LA in five hours, Joe was there and at their doorstep. This Irish like street fighter, he's like 250 pounds. But like to me, that's my brother. And I have several people like that. Stevens, my younger brother, who's on the phone right now. So I I just I am so blessed with that of people who have my back and whose back I have in with them. I couldn't be I couldn't be more grateful. So why would I want someone else who's you know angry, jealous? stealing from me, trying to take from me, make me feel bad about myself. Like, no, I'm, I'm good. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's, it takes time educating a, a parent. Unfortunately, if it's not the parent, it's siblings. Sometimes it's the parent, but you have to hold your ground and stand tall. And eventually they come around. If you yeah. hold your ground, they, the, the good ones will come around and go, okay, I accept that, you know, you, this, the, I accept your sister for her warts and all, and I accept you for yours. And I wish you guys were close, but you're not. But they'll test you to try to pull you back onto that merry ground. That's where you have to be strong and resist. But your life will get better without them. Yeah. And I think, God, that's so beautiful. I mean, that because I think it's so important for us to recognize when that is happening. And I, I always make fun. Well, not always, but the last year and a half. Like I've been practicing social distance 
for 20 years, <laughs> when, especially when it, when it comes to toxic people and people that I don't want in my life. Yes. And the reason why I ask it's, it's really hard when it is somebody that you're related to, because people have asked me before, well, how do you break up with a toxic person with a toxic friend or a toxic relationship, a toxic family member? And for some people, they need to have that conversation and say, I can't be your friend anymore. I can't be around you. Mm -hmm. And some people just have a really hard time. I don't recommend that conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, I, I, I think some people think from, that, well, I think some people think they need to, to yeah. vent and all that. And I say, you don't No, because all you do is if they are in fact toxic, all you've just done is arm them to make yep. them even more. No, I think it's, um, I think it's best to find it in your heart to wish them genuinely wish them well mm -hmm. not that old like you know what i wish you well go on with no it's not really you know I've, i'll pray for you you know when people say those things and it's really the underlying thing is f you <laughs> no i mean genuinely be like i want good things for you but and you say this to yourself but you know our paths are no longer aligned and you go and live your journey i'm gonna go live mine and and that's it. And I know I think it's just a fading away. I'm busy. I'm overwhelmed. If they corner you and you have to say it, then I think you say it in the most loving, constructive way. Um, but again, most of the time they're not ready to hear it. So then they open up on you and you're like, wait, I didn't do this conversation. And fine. I I've done these all before. And if they give you that beating in the moment, just take it. But just get the F away. <laughs> just just get away. And and if you can find a way to wish, your life will get better if you wish them well. If you genuinely wish them well in your heart, which yeah. now I do for those people. And that's helped me. You know, that's helped me to genuinely be like, you know, I want them to do well. And listen, you can, it does, you know, you can reconcile sometimes. I have some people with the pandemic that it's been decades, maybe a decade, and I've reconciled with but you know what? Yeah. Only because I'm now a different person and I can handle them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not a weak person. I'm not weak in that respect where their toxicity is going to hurt me. Right. It's not, it's like we talk about the Patriots. You know what I mean? It's fine. Like they're <laughs> not in my world. They're not connected. Um, I think the, I think the one thing is, you know, when you ask yourself about certain people, if, if they could check a box you know, Rosie succeeds, Rosie fails. And they're the person who checks Rosie fails. Get away from them. Yes. If if they're just difficult to be around or whatever, I it's make your make your distance, but know that you might later might be able to for old time's sake, I don't know, have a beer or a conversation with them and just have a laugh and it's okay. But if it's those people that really, really want, do not want anything good for you and then even worse they want harm on you no yeah get away yeah and i think it's it's important for us to be able to see who and what those Just relationships discernment. are a lot of the times yeah that's what you, you said you're talking about this this loyalty and i get that i mean i have people that have been in my life since i mean a neighborhood girl mexican yeah. neighborhood girl you know just ch being chased by police and probably even abused by police at times you go no i gotta i gotta back my people my team yeah yeah and, my crew. and unfortunately those people may not serve your highest good 
And it's important. The hard, the hard part for us, especially if you're this type of loyal person and you keep making excuses for why you're friends with these people, if anybody can relate to that, all of us, Oh, I've, I've known him for a long time or we've gone through things together. And, you know, um, just like you said, people there, I like to say it in two ways. It's like people, people change and then people can change. Right. So, people change they are a different person maybe that changed person is no longer going to serve you or you or some, you've changed or you've changed that's the big thing is most time they're not changing it's you're changing because you're on your journey and your growth that's and right. they're not but yeah. continue rosie yeah no i have like three things that i always tell myself whenever i'm assessing whether i want a person in my life and it's not like i'm constantly assessing i mean as i said i'm a loyalist and i have the same group of friends and Fortunately, it's just like in a relationship. You and Maria have been together forever. Your relationship has evolved and changed. You grow together, you grow apart. You grow together, you grow apart. And it just, over time, the same with my relationship with Tori. After 18 years, we've gone through ups and downs together. And I think when it comes to just relationships in general, you have to ask yourself three things. Do you desire to spend time with this person? There has to be a desire. Mm -hmm. Do you desire to see or speak or, or... be in the presence of this person and does this person make you feel like a better person do they uplift you do you feel like you're a better version of you even in the simple conversation where you're discussing how you liked watching the bachelor or whatever Mm -hmm. does it make you feel like uplifted do you feel light do you feel like this this makes you feel good and then the third thing is does this relationship does it hold you? Do you feel held? Do you feel supported energetically or physically? So if if the p- person in your life or the people in your life aren't doing those three things, then then you need to reassess how yes. you are allocating your time because the most valuable thing we have in this lifetime is time. That is the most valuable asset we have, right? So how are you allocating your time? Are you giving the people that you maybe want to change or help or your friends that you're like, oh, they just really need me right now. I'm not saying don't be that person, but it's important for you to assess. Are Do you have the energy to give? I had a, a very dear friend, same scenario, Kevin, that you're talking about where we're very close and we talked all the time. And I just, you know, she had been going through some stuff a year, two years, three years, five years later, I'm like, I just don't have the energy to give to the same conversation because I'm changing and I'm doing the work to be it's a better person so, and, yes. and show up, you know, in the relationship. Yes. And they are just wanting to latch on to the work that I'm doing. And you can't do that. We want to be around people that are inspiring and that are uh, enthusiastic about life because we're hoping that that will inspire and, and create the enthusiasm yes. within ourselves. But we have to do the work going back to the quote that you read at the beginning. Yes. Our biggest fear is that we might not be willing to work that hard, but unless we do, we'll never value it. We won't value what we worked so hard for unless we're actually willing to do the work to get to that place, to become that person that is wanting to help people be of service that wants to inspire that wants to create good and i'm not saying you have to be a walking you know mantra of positive positivity all the time i mean everybody we're all human right but a lot of the times we're just one-sided in our relationships we're just thinking of how everybody else is making us feel but we don't stop to think oh how am i showing up for them what am i bringing to the table yes 
You know, how am I showing, how am I being a good friend? How am I, when was the last time I actually checked in and said, Hey Kev, like, how are you doing? Like, how, how are you? How is your heart? How are you Mm -hmm. feeling? Yeah. You know? Yes. That's the give and take. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menounos or mariamenounos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.